Hi friends, my name's Alexa Mazer, and you're listening to Firsthand Audacity. Episode 5, Body Confidence, Body Image. Trigger warning, friends, I will be talking about my experiences with anorexia, bulimia, exercise bulimia, disordered eating, body dysmorphia, all of those things. So if that is something that you are currently experiencing and you are not quite ready to hear it firsthand, I totally understand. Now would be a great time to hit pause and listen to another episode. Um, If this is something uh, that you are, that is triggering and traumatizing, then yeah, take that time, uh, recognize that. Um, I love that self-awareness and I wanted to give you that heads up. So this is something that I have been working on my entire life. I talked a lot about confidence, um, inner confidence, where it really starts in my opinion, um, is on the inside and confidence and acceptance overall, those being two different things in my opinion, um, start from within. And I don't expect anything to be one size fits all. It depends on your experiences. It depends on your perspective. It depends on your, your life in your trajectory and how it's played out for you. But I do hope that sharing my story and my perspective helps illuminate um, an experience that you can learn from or at least uses proof of existence. Maybe something I say resonates with you and you previously felt alone. Um, So that's my hope is that whatever I share with you isn't taken as the gospel truth, but um, maybe one or two things stick with you and, and help you along your journey. So Let's dive right in. Like I said, my experience with loving and accepting my physical body has been a lifelong journey similar to my experience with my inner confidence. Um, I personally, if I had to think about you know where I place the initial blame, I blame tankinis. Where are my children of the 90s? I blame tankinis and comparison as a concept. Um, I think comparison is truly the thief of, if not all joy, a lot of joy. Um, and I'll dig a little deeper into that. Um, but I definitely remember probably my first memory of feeling insecure in my body was in an L.L. Bean uh, fitting room trying on a tankini. So I remember looking down at my, you know, it was probably what was 10 or 11 year old belly and thinking, Oh, why does it stick out? Like, why does it stick out at all? And I remember, um, judging myself and I don't know where that judgment came from. No one, you know, I wasn't bullied for being overweight. I wasn't. Um, and I was at the time, objectively, who I look back, I was really gawky and, and skinny, if anything. Um, so I don't know where that judgment came from. Um, it was probably subconsciously absorbed, um, you know, from, from the media and from everything that you're subconsciously absorbing around you. Um, you know, I won't pretend to know exactly where that came from. Um, but I definitely had a, I definitely had a very tall, um, and beautiful stepsister to compare myself to. And I bet if I talked to her, we both had our own insecurities about our individual bodies, but I remember being a lot shorter and, um, feeling like there were things that I wanted to change about myself from a very young age. So 
I would say probably 9, 10, 11 was the first time I have a recollection of, of feeling less than in some way um, on the outside. I, I definitely think that um, I remember I was talking to a friend the other day. I remember I used to hate my thighs. I used to hate my thighs. Um, and it's funny because uh, I used to, it's not funny, it's really sad. I used to um, sit on the school bus and prop my legs up, like sit with my t- on, on the tip of my toes so that my thighs wouldn't fully touch the leather seats of the school bus so that it, my thighs wouldn't splay out. Like, how sad is that? Like, a young kid on the, like, middle school school bus um, just listening to my Walkman and judging my my little cute thighs, which now I'm like, hell yeah, love my thighs. Thick thighs save lives. But it was not a linear journey from point A to point loving myself and accepting myself. So I think I, I've been at a point, at points in my life, I've experienced it all. I've been too skinny. I've been so skinny that my family questioned my eating habits. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I've been overweight for my body frame. Um, and I judge myself in that, in that realm as well. Um, I've tried, yes, tried and failed at being anorexic and bulimic. Um, I did Weight Watchers for nearly 10 years. I would be, I landed on what was classified by my therapist at the time as uh, on exercise bulimia. So I had a a fun uh, type of bulimia where I would binge eat and then exercise like crazy um, so that I could work it off per se. Um, and when I got to college, I was on scholarship for cross country and track and field in a world surrounded by the concept that skinny equals better. Skinny meant faster, thinner was better. Um, thinner people won races and that was, that was just that. And I struggled so much with being surrounded by disordered eating 19, 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds who are still coming into their own as adults, as young adults and figuring out how to live on their own, figuring out how to cope on their own. And then for the first time ever being truly individually responsible for your well-being. Um, that was, that was a lot. And so you're surrounded by people and you start to pick up habits, uh, for better, for worse. I definitely picked up some bad, some bad, um, body image habits, some bad, um, ways to talk to myself, um, and some terrible eating habits, looking around and watching my friends, um, and having the, you know, the tiniest portions and the most restricted eating or on the flip side, seemingly eating whatever they want. And then in reality, they were either exercising it off like I was, or they were binging and purging in another way. So, um, yeah, the moral of the story is I have struggled with my own, you know, special variety pack of disordered eating and body dysmorphia throughout my life. And I, I definitely think about the body dysmorphia because I look back at pictures and I think we can all, um, look at at pictures of various times in our lives where we look back and we look so sad that, that, you know, that person, that version of me was so concerned with what I looked like. 
and missing out on incredible experiences and, and, and chances for happiness in my life because I was judging my outer version, my exterior so harshly. Um, and I think back to the way that I think comparison is the thief of all joy, especially in this realm. Comparison as a concept sucks. It just doesn't make, it simply does not make sense. It doesn't make sense to compare yourself to another person. So even if you're saying, you know, I, I haven't had the same exact experiences as you with disordered eating, with body dysmorphia, um, the only reason I share is to say, you know, it's okay to have had that as part of your life and to recognize it and to talk about it and to address it because the first part of getting over it is admitting it and addressing it. Um, and I'm coming to you saying that if I'm not fully healed, I don't know if you ever get fully healed from that type of thing. Um, I am definitely in a way better place. And there's, there is, you know, a through and another side where you can have a healthy relationship with food and you can have a healthy relationship with your body. That's all I'm trying to say. I don't think that there's, you know, that we are going to have had the same experience or even super similar experiences. But I hope that sharing the fact that the things that I've gone through at least shows you that you're not crazy. You know, um, there were definitely times where I thought, where I thought, uh, I used to pray. I'm not even a religious person. I don't think I've ever been a religious person. I used to pray every night in my teen years when I was like 13, 14, 15. I prayed for boobs. I prayed for basically a Frankenstein body. I would look at my friends and say, oh my gosh, she has the best boobs. Oh my gosh, she has the, the skinniest waist and she has the perfect legs. And I love her hairline, whatever it was. And I would pray and say, I want so-and-so's this and so-and-so's that. And all through middle school and high school and even college, like genuinely focused my energy on praying for these specific things as if they were going to come true. And as if the most important part, as if I got all of those things, that that would somehow unlock my happiness, that my happiness lied on the other side of me receiving those external features. That's sad. And that is a lie. That is a lie that is sold to us that we need to look a certain way in order to be happy. And the reason why I intentionally started have, I intentionally had my confidence episode prior to the body confidence episode is because that's, that's how it starts. It may not be linear, but the light bulb turned on for me when I tried everything and I got to points where I got to my goal weight and I got to, I got to a point where out of college, um, I did start to come into my own, I think, you know, obviously running for a good part of my young adult and adult life likely stunted, you know, a couple of things, my boobs included. So when I came into like my womanly figure, my more feminine figure as a, an adult out of college, I got the body that I had been praying for, at least my version of it, and I still wasn't happy. I still wasn't happy. And then I started to fluctuate in other ways where I would say, screw it and gain a bunch of weight and then say, nope, I need to get back on track. You know, at least if I'm skinny, I can be unhappy and skinny instead of unhappy and overweight. Though that was my logic. 
And it wasn't until I realized that I was blaming everything on my weight, any form of rejection, any form of rejection, whether it was, you know, from, uh, from someone I wanted to be involved with romantically, whether it was, um, any sort of failure, I took it personally as it must be because I'm overweight or I'm not pretty enough. That must be it. And I realized at some point, um, likely during therapy, um, and, and probably talking to some really close friends that that was, that was not it. That if you, if I was so sad that I was blaming everything on my weight and how I appeared physically, that I was likely putting off a vibe of someone who's super insecure, super desperate for attention and validation and not someone who accepts themselves. So why the hell would anyone accept me? Why would anyone accept you if you don't even look in the mirror and love yourself from the inside out? And I definitely went through a phase where when I first started going, really talking about this in therapy, where I said, I want my outside to match my inside. And my therapist said, that is a valid, that's a valid thought and want, but let's work on the inside first and see how it helps you come to a point of acceptance with the outside. And then you can start to work on, you know, being um, fitter, being healthier in your lifestyle, whatever, but focus on the inside first, because you've already tried the other way. You've already tried everything, you name it. um, And that hasn't worked. So why not start from within? And then when I got to a point where I felt like I had really faced a lot of my, my demons and and the things that, um, that I was struggling with, you know, not the entire list. It's a lengthy, lengthy list. It'll be a lifelong experience. Um, I'm keeping my therapist in work, you know, job security. Um, but once I got to a place where I felt really good about what I had to offer and I felt like, huh, I do love who I am. And I'm ready for the outside to match the inside. And I feel like I've done a lot of inner work and I feel like I've, I've done a lot to work on myself. I found an incredible nutritionist here in Denver and I'd been to a nutritionist before. I'd been to a nutritionist when I was in college. We had to see a nutritionist and we had to see a sports psychologist and God bless them, but it did not work for me. I remember I went to college in Vermont and my nutrition, my nutritionist told me that maybe I should cut back on the Ben and Jerry's. And that's just like, I feel like that's sacrilegious. That should be illegal. You're in Vermont. You can't cut back on Ben and Jerry's as part of my meal plan. <laughs> but I had, the point is I'd been, I tried. And this was the second time that I'd been to a nutritionist and she truly saved my life. If you want her info, DM me. Um, if that's something you're interested in, she saved my life in the sense that um, she changed the, pers- the my perspective on food, my relationship with food, because she finally talked about it realistically. It was the first time I talked about what I was eating honestly, and I didn't feel like I had to hide from a nutritionist and like prove to her that I was doing everything I could because I was scared about her judging me. Um, she created... I went in there with a goal that I don't want to do Weight Watchers anymore. I don't want to count calories. I don't want to count my macros. I don't want to keep track of things. 
I just want to wake up in the morning and go through my day without obsessing over every meal and punishing myself mentally and physically for eating. Like, is that so much to ask? And she was like, we can do that. We can definitely do that. And we went through an elimination diet to figure out if anything was bugging me. She got, was like not, you know, conducive to my overall health. Um, she recommended that I get some baseline blood work so we could understand if I had any underlying issues that could be um, part of it. Because this was at a stage in my life where I felt like I was doing everything physically and I was not um, getting the results that I wanted to. I just didn't feel healthy or in control of my, um, my physical well-being. Um, and together we started with journaling. We did start with food journaling and, and that was hard for me. That was triggering for me because that was something that had not worked for me in the past. And I had an unhealthy relationship with doing that. But when I brought my food journals to her, there was no judgment. There was no, you know, this is bad. We need to cut it out. No more Ben and Jerry's, no more wine, no more this, no more that. It was Let's figure out what's optimal for your body, for your workout schedule, for your lifestyle, and let's figure that out together. And for me, it took almost two full years. So this is me in therapy in tandem with a nutritionist. Two full years to rewrite the pathways, to heal my relationship with food, and to form better habits that, were, that suddenly became natural to me. And for me, that ended up being um, some habitual things throughout the day that are more of a true lifestyle, that are not 100% of the time I'm eating, you know, the best, most clean uh, diet you could ever imagine. Um, But I can feel like I can go out. I can feel like I, I look at a restaurant menu and I enjoy myself, but It's not going to cause me to spiral. It's not going to trigger me to binge eat. I can have weeks or weekends or, you know, crazy times where I enjoy myself and I give into cravings, but a craving no longer means I'm going to binge. A craving no longer means, you know, one, you know, dessert equals the whole sleeve of Oreos. Like no longer is that my, my life. And that to me feels like, healing, especially coming from, from where I was. Um, and I felt like I was in a really good place. And then I became a fitness instructor and then the imposter syndrome, uh, came in and that was pretty overwhelming because there were, no matter how much I tried, there were these, uh, thoughts in the back of my head of, you know, what if people who look fitter than me come in and they, why would they trust me with their fitness goals when, you know, they're, they look fitter than me and they must be more in shape than me. They probably think they could teach this class better than me. And who am I to, to tell them what to do for 45 minutes of their day? And of course I had really terrible moments and I had crippling anxiety where I was meditating every single morning, like waking up at the crack of dawn to teach a 6am class and, and meditating just to get my anxiety under control And then as soon as I got up on the podium, I started to do what I love to do. Everything went away. And I was like, okay, this is like, there's something magical about giving yourself the permission and the space to be yourself. And I do think in the beginning, whether no matter what the habit is, when you're doing something new, 
it's going to feel, you're going to get that anxiety. You're going to feel like, oh my God, is this the right thing? But if you keep pushing yourself to do it, if it is the right thing, eventually it will become second nature. And today, um, you know, I definitely have my moments. I think in the early days of teaching spin, photo shoots were really triggering for me. It was very hard for me. I would get anxious leading up to it. I would get anxious for the whole time and I would try to go as soon as possible, get it done and over with. And I would just have terrible anxiety until the photos came out and I could find at least one or two that I really liked about myself. Um, And it put me back in that place that I was in college, you know, almost a decade ago. And I brought it to my therapist and I was like, this is what I'm experiencing and this is, you know, what I'm going through. And we worked through it together. We worked through it together. And there's going to be things that are triggers for you. There's going to be pictures. There's going to be scenarios. There's going to be people that are triggering for you or events that are triggering for you. Um, For me, stress and a lack of sleep are triggering. Eating one bad meal um, is a trigger and I need to logically tell myself, nope, I don't let that ruin my whole day. And also there's no good or bad. There's enjoying yourself and you're allowed to do that because life is short. Um, But we don't need to do that for every single meal. And I've also, in conjunction with that, learned that my inner self, my inner light can shine. And that's what comes out in the other side of of my physical light. So those, the inner light and the outer ex, ex, uh, spirit need to be in working together or else it's just not, it's not going to work. Um, and I do think that a really close friend of mine here in Denver said to me, you know, I've never lost or won a friend or relationship because of how much I weigh or what I look like. I haven't. Um, and if I have, then they're shallow and I don't want them in my life. That is such an empowering concept. And I think as I've gotten older and and gained more experience with friendships and relationships, I've realized that she's so, so, so right. Um, But it's hard. It's easy to say and it's hard to practice. It's easy to say and it's hard to do. Um, But I think the moral of the story here is that nothing you change on the outside will make you feel better in the long run. You can you're more than welcome to alter your appearance. I'm, I'm one of those people who's like, hell yeah, Botox, hell yeah, you know, get boobs if you want to get boobs, get um, whatever you want to make you feel comfortable in this body that you exist in. It's your body, it's your life, it's your decision, it's your choice. But don't let that be the, the key to your happiness. I think you have to already be a generally happy, confident person And then say, this is going to add to my life the same way that you're not going to be in a healthy, a truly healthy relationship. If you're depending on someone else for your happiness, you have to give that happiness to yourself. You have to give yourself permission to be complete and consider yourself complete or else it's not going to work. It's simply not can work for a little bit of time, but ultimately if you're, if you're uh, depending on external validation for internal happiness and peace, that is not a limitless source. You're a limitless source. You're capable of giving yourself that unconditional love. And I know that because I've been working so hard on doing it with myself. Um, so that's the majority of my experience. I, I hope that, you know, what I've shared 
is helpful to you. Um, even if it's, like I said, proof of existence, proof that, you know, everyone, I think everyone struggles with insecurity in some way, shape or form. Um, I would probably wager a bet that a lot of us struggle with some form of, of body confidence. Um, and I think we could dig even deeper into this and I'd love to have some guests on the, on the podcast to, to share their experience. But I would say the more people I talk to about this, the more it is revealed to me that the majority of us experience this. So why are we going around pretending like everything's okay? Why are we going around comparing ourselves to each other and denying ourselves that happiness when the reality is we're all struggling with it on some level? Um, And whether it's, you know, if it's not this, it's if it's not this insecurity, it's another thing. So have a little grace with yourself. Have a little race with yourself if you're in the middle of this this struggle. Um, If you're not quite, you know, as far along in your journey as you'd like to be, I'm sure you're further than you once were. Um, And if you want any of the resources that I've mentioned, I'm happy to give recommendations. My nutritionist is here in Denver. Um, My, um, I'm happy to talk about it. If you just want to vent to someone about your what you're going through right now, I'm happy to you know give you a little external validation boost to get you headed in the right direction to let you know that it's going to be okay. Um, I think we need to talk about this. We're all exposed to the same media and unrealistic standards with growing up with varying degrees of social media influence and things are getting better, but we won't live in a world completely unencumbered by other people's standards and judgments until we address it head on, starting with ourselves. So I'm here. You're not alone. And we, I won't pretend to know exactly what you're going through, but I hope that you can find some peace of mind knowing what I've been through. And that's all for now, friends. Um, Until next time, thank you again for listening. If you can go ahead and and give this a like, a share, a follow, a good review, I'd so appreciate you. And as always, it's a pleasure connecting with you Um, and take care.